0: Preface to Poems. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Larry Wilson. Poems by George Santayana. Preface New editions of books are a venture for publishers rather than authors. The author has committed his rash act once for all at the beginning and he can hardly retract or repeat it nevertheless if i had not connived and collaborated at this selection of verses written almost all of them in my younger days they probably would not have reappeared i therefore owe an apology to my best critics and friends who have always warned me that i am no poet all the more since in the sense in which they mean the word I heartily agree with them. Of impassionate tenderness, or Dionysiac frenzy, I have nothing, nor even of that magic and pregnancy of Frasier, ally, the creation of a fresh idiom, which marks the highlights of poetry. Even if my temperament had been naturally warmer, the fact that the English language, and I can write no other with assurance, was not my mother tongue, would of itself preclude any inspired use of it on my part its roots do not quite reach to my centre i never drank in in childhood the homely cadences and ditties which in pure spontaneous poetry set the essential key i know no words redolent of the wonder-world the fairy-tale or the cradle moreover i am city-bred and that companionship with nature those rural notes which for english poets are almost inseparable from poetic feeling fail me altogether landscape to me is only a background for fable or a symbol for fate as it was to the ancients and the human scene itself was but a theme for reflection nor have i been tempted into the byways even of towns or fascinated by the aspect and humours of all sorts and conditions of men my approach to language is literary my images are only metaphors, and sometimes it seems to me that I resemble my countryman, Don Quixote, when in his airy flights he was merely perched on a high horse and a wooden pegasus, and I ask myself if I ever had anything to say in verse that might not have been said better in prose. And yet, in reality, there was no such alternative. What I felt when I composed those verses could not have been rendered in any other form their sincerity is absolute not only in respect to the thought which might be abstracted from them and expressed in prose but also in respect to the aura of literary and religious associations which envelops them if their prosody is worn and traditional like a liturgy it is because they represent the initiation of a mind into a world order and larger than itself not the chance experiences of a stray individual but his submission to what is not his chance experience to the truth of nature and the moral heritage of mankind here is the uncertain hand of an apprentice but of an apprentice in a great school verse is one of the traditions of literature like the orders of greek architecture the sonnet or the couplet or the quatrain are better than anything else that has been devised to serve the same function and the innate freedom of poets to hazard new forms does not abolish the freedom of all men to adopt the old ones it is almost inevitable that a man of letters if his mind is cultivated and capable of moral concentration should versify occasionally or should have versified he need not on that account pose as a poetic genius and yet his verses like those of michael angelo for instance may form a part even if a subordinate part of the expression of his mind poetry was made for man not man for poetry and there are really as many kinds of it as there are poets or even verses is hamlet's soliloquy poetry what would it have conveyed would it have conveyed its meaning better if not reined in by the meter and made to prance and turn to the cadences of blank verse whether better or worse it would certainly not be itself without that movement versification is like a pulsing accompaniment somehow sustaining and exalting the clear logic of the words the accompaniment may be orchestral but it is not necessarily worse for being thrummed on a mandolin or a guitar so the couplets of pope or dryden need not be called poetry but they could not have been prose they frame in a picture balanced like the dance there is an elevation too in poetic diction just because it is consecrated and archaic a pomp as of a religious procession without which certain intuitions would lose all their grace and dignity borrowed plumes would not even seem an ornament if they were not in themselves beautiful to say that what was good once is good no longer is to give too much importance to chronology aesthetic fashions may change losing as much beauty at one end as they gain at the other but innate taste continues to recognize its affinities however remote and need never change mask and buskin are often requisite in order to transport what is great in human experience out of its embosoming littleness they are inseparable from finality from perception of the ultimate perhaps it is just this tragic finality that english poets do not have and do not relish they feel it to be rhetorical but verse after all is a form of rhetoric as is all speech and even thought a means of pouring experience into a mould which fluid experience cannot supply, and of transmuting emotion into ideas by making it articulate. In one sense, I think that my verses, mental and thin as their texture may be, represent a true inspiration, a true docility. A muse? Not exactly an English muse, actually visited me in my isolation. The same, or a ghost of the same, that visited Boethius, or Alfred de Musset, or Leopardi. It was literally impossible for me then not to re-echo her eloquence. When that compulsion ceased, I ceased to write verses. My emotion, for there was genuine emotion, faded into a sense that my lesson was learned and my troth plighted. There is no longer any occasion for this sort of breathlessness and unction i think the discerning reader will probably prefer the later prose versions of my philosophy i prefer them myself as being more broadly based saner more humorous yet if he is curious in the matter he may find the same thing here nearer to its fountain-head in its accidental early setting and with its most authentic personal note or as to the subject of these poems it is simply my philosophy in the making i should not give the title of philosopher to every logician or psychologist who in his official and studious moments may weigh argument against argument or may devise expedients for solving theoretical puzzles i see no reason why a philosopher should be puzzled what he sees he sees of the rest he is ignorant and his sense of this vast ignorance which is his natural and inevitable condition is a chief part of his knowledge and of his emotion philosophy is not an optional theme that may occupy him on occasion it is his only possible life his daily response to everything he lives by thinking and his one perpetual emotion is that this world with himself in it should be the strange world which it is everything he thinks or utters will accordingly be an integral part of his philosophy whether it be called poetry or science or criticism the verses of a philosopher will be essentially epigrams like those which the greek sages composed they will moralize the spectacle whether it be some personal passion or some larger aspect of nature my own moral philosophy especially as expressed in this more sentimental form may not seem very robust or joyous its fortitude and happiness are those of but one type of soul the owl hooting from his wintry bough cannot be chanticleer crowing in the barnyard yet he is sacred to minerva and the universal poet who can sing the humours of winter no less lustily than those of spring may even speak of his merry note worthy to mingle with the other pleasant accidents of the somberer season when icicles hang by the wall and coughing drowns the parson's saw but whether the note may seem merry or sad musical or uncouth it is itself a note of nature and it may at least be commended seeing it conveys a philosophy for not conveying it by argument but frankly making confession of an actual spiritual experience addressed only to those whose ear it may strike sympathetically and who crossing the same dark wood on their own errands may pause for a moment to listen gladly. G.S. November nineteen twenty two. End of preface. This recording is in the public domain.